add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'll be talking all about cocaine addiction with consultant psychiatrist, Professor Colin O'Gara. Colin is head of addiction services at St. John of God's Hospital in Dublin, where they provide specialist services in substance misuse. The latest figures released by the Health Research Board shows the number of people seeking treatment for problem cocaine use has increased dramatically, with the number of crack cocaine cases increasing by 400% in recent years. The HRB says last year, cocaine was the only substance where they saw an increase in those entering treatment for it. Today, I want to discuss the problem of cocaine addiction in Ireland. It's the first ever episode we've done on this topic, and I think it's so important given all the latest statistics. We want to find out why it's on the rise and what happens to our bodies when we take it. Colin, a very big welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, Thanks a million, Carl. Yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm fascinated by this topic. Every now and again, we bring guests in who talk about things that I know nothing about. And this is uh, one of those topics, thankfully. Uh, I'm intrigued to find out more about it. So cocaine use is on the rise in Ireland. I think I think all the indicators, Carl, yeah, point towards a rise. So um, there's probably two peaks to it. Um, I'm I, This is my 15th year here at the hospital. Prior to that, I worked in London um, in stimulant services there. Um, uh, so I was actually hired, would you believe, 15 years ago when the Celtic Tiger was at its peak and the hospital here wanted to recruit somebody that would uh, specifically deal with cocaine. So it was a big peak, um, you know, around Celtic Tiger. With the economic crash, it uh, almost disappeared. Uh, we had the emergence of other stimulants such as methadrone and methadrone, which were so-called headshot drugs. And then as the economy improved, you know, from 2013 kind of onwards, uh, we started to see at a clinical point, uh, or sorry, in the clinical front line, um, the um, you know, reports of cocaine increasing quite substantially up to recent years where it's quite dramatic. Um, it's really become very normalized um, from our point of view. Um, and the availability is huge. So when you get normalization and strong availability of a drug, you've got serious problems. You mentioned crack. Um, crack is something that we have managed to avoid. I mean, in, in the 80s in the States, there were, you know, there was an ep- epidemic of crack. Um, but if you go to any urban center now, it's really the combination of heroin uh, and crack cocaine, which is injected in the same vial. Um, uh, that, that process is known as speedballing and uh, acquisitive crime and begging in major uh, cities. That cycle of begging all day and shooting uh, crack and heroin at night um, is very prevalent. Similarly, you can see in, in particular dr- demographics, um, you know, crack is, um, can take hold in communities. And unfortunately, um, you, know, per- you know, perhaps we're starting to see um, that. I mean, I don't work in the services um, 
on the ground that would be dealing with cracks specifically. I deal more with a, I mean, we're a national referral service, but I deal more powdered cocaine. But in my previous, uh, you know, working life in London, uh, it was very, very much um, uh, injecting cocaine and smoked cocaine in the form of crack. So I guess I've seen the different sides of it. Um, recently, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if we talk initially about powdered cocaine, um, that that has has exploded I, I you know i think and and it's a big problem yeah and i wanted to, to pull it back to the basics and, and inform people what does cocaine actually do to the body when we take it so cocaine is a stimulant that affects all uh, systems you know of the body um this be, i know this will be very relevant to you because you you study the body in regards to um, fitness and and well being, and um, so like we kind of say it with alcohol as well. I mean, if you take any system, really, the heart, the lungs, um, the peripheries, the brain, everything. I mean, all of the above are affected by cocaine. It's a very potent stimulant that initially leads to a you know massive release of dopamine. Um, you have. Uh, dopamine receptors, dopamine rich receptors in reward areas of the brain that soak up that released dopamine that's been released from nerve endings and you get uh, euphoria. Um, I guess the problem with stimulants as opposed to say opioids like heroin is that they, you know, they tend to um, create a very edgy um, experience. This is why um, uh, as I alluded to in most urban centers, people will use cocaine and heroin together because an opioid um, would be quite sedating, very relaxing, um, and is very dangerous in overdose as a result because you just have this correlation of the more receptor occupancy you get with an opioid, the more respiratory depression you get, the more likely you are to have breathing difficulties and in, and in extreme cases die. Um, so people will take the edginess of cocaine with um, the sedati sedating feeling of opioid to balance it off. But getting back to cocaine, um, it does create anxiety, can create anxiety, can create a lot of paranoia. Typically in a crack house, you would see, which is basically a, a house that's often taken over by people using crack, which I've seen as part of a community visit. Um, we went out to do a mental health uh, a visit, which I, I will never forget. Um, you know, you will see people spending long periods of time and, you know, users will tell us this as well. Just I'm looking at the keyhole in my own door now, but um, just paranoia, looking through a keyhole for hours and end. So it can be quite intoxicating drug with a lot of paranoia or, you know, that 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 state would mimic, say, a mental health illness like schizophrenia where people have delusions, but it's a temporary thing. And it usually goes after the person finishes using the drug. However, uh, you know, you, there, there are lasting physical and mental health problems. So there can be. I mean, at the end of the day, um, a lot of people will use cocaine. They won't run into difficulties. Uh, what's the percentage on that? Maybe 80%. But there's a, a, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's not, it's, I guess the issue is you're, you're not going to know if you run into a difficulty or not. This is the problem that you have. And, um, a lot of that is genetic predisposition. 
or it can be just bad luck. So um, the physical problems would be heart-related, arrhythmias in particular, so uh, you know, regular um, beating of the heart. Uh, one example is uh, what what is known as holiday heart in relation to alcohol. So if you go on holidays to a, um, you know, you finish your your uh, exams in the case of leaving cert, or if people are working uh, in offices or wherever and they go off for the two week holiday and drink copious amounts of alcohol, it's not unusual for individuals to end up in A and E in um, wherever it is they are with terrible palpitations, sense of fluttering in the chest. So that's the generally refers to a condition called atrial fibrillation, where the atria um, don't uh, beat in a coordinated fashion. In other words, they 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 fibrillate, um, and that is a abnormality that, of the heartbeat that is associated with stroke because you can get a clot forming um, within the heart that then travels uh, when the heart beats up to the brain. So um, it is it is a, a worrisome arrhythmia, and there are other arrhythmias, unfortunately, that in, that include the ventricles the lower part of the heart, and that's called ventricular fibrillation, which uh, can be lethal. So you can get cardiac arrest from that. So um, I think the measured, you know, I'm not, you know, it's very important, I think, for the listeners. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying I'm giving a nuanced uh, message here that, you know, it, everybody who takes cocaine doesn't get, don't, doesn't get these effects, but you certainly can. And as you increase the dose of cocaine, so if you develop tolerance, in other words, you need more of cocaine to have the same desired effect, um, which is a, is, a, is a cornerstone feature of addiction. Um, then we, you know, we typically see in clinics start with half, you know, a line or two, somebody will give the end of a, um, you know, just just a little dot of cocaine, and then it goes to one line. Um, generally, people are introduced in a very benign way. Then they buy their own supply. They're using half a gram. They move on to a gram, and then all of a sudden, when they present to us, they they you know they're using multiple grams a weekend. Or in the case of severe cocaine addiction, they're using uh, on a daily basis. So, um. I kind of jumped. Sorry, I jumped on to addiction. I should go back to the physical. <laughs> no, it's per, it's per, it's perfectly fine. Like your, your content and it's the beauty of bringing experts in on the show. They're so passionate about what they do. They can just talk and talk and talk, and it's brilliant because I can sit back and listen. <laughs> and it's almost like a, it's almost like an educational lecture. It's fantastic. It's it's just it's so interesting to, to to hear. Is it fair to say that cocaine is seen as a the trend a trendy drug or a fashionable drug? And if that's the case, why do you think that's so? Well, there's a long history, I mean, of cocaine in the, um, you know, in, in the popular media. Um, you know, certain drugs just take on um, certain personas, I guess, in the media. And you're left then as clinicians, I suppose, with that backdrop to it. I mean, I, I, I think it's I would I would look at the normalization. I mean, there's a media portrayal um, and there's decades of that. Um, you know, if you can pick out umpteen films that focus on that, you know. Um, so but I, I, I think in recent years, I mean, I think the real relevance is what's going on at the moment. And I think in recent years, for me, the standout issue of cocaine is the fact that it's infiltrated all, all elements of Irish society. So. 
you know, like if it, at different times there would be a focus on, um, you know, sport, you know, different different sport, be it whatever, um, rugby, GA, soccer, there'll be some feature on cocaine. If you look at rural Ireland, there'll be features, you know, rural people affected by cocaine. Um, there's always been an association with professionals and cocaine. Um, but no matter what area you look at, um, it really seems to have in, infiltrated. And, you know, the social aspect, of course, is, is, is so, you know, that's, that's always reported. You go out and people talk about the cubicles, the, you know, now, now I suppose I even heard a piece on the, on the radio yesterday about the um, Cork Dublin train. Um, you know, using cocaine openly on the train. It was on. It was a piece I was doing, and I was just listening. The piece before was was happened to be about cocaine. So, um, so really, the the availability is frightening, and it's frightening for kids. Um, or for sorry, for parents in relation to their kids. Um, you know, that's that's a massive concern for me. There is the glamorization. Uh, there's no question. You know the Certainly when I was in London, there was, you know, the, there was a lot of focus on celebrity. The celebrity went into rehab and it was for cocaine, um, you know, so it's just a drug. I don't see it going. I don't see it going away anytime soon um, because it's, it's, it's um, so profitable, I guess, for the people who are, who are, um, who are transporting it. I mean, there's, I guess it is still bulky in many regards. Um, other drugs such as um, opioids like fentanyl have, have gained huge popularity in recent times, which are tiny, tiny drugs that can be transported so easily. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's, there's, you know, I don't see it going down anytime soon. So we have to look at education and, um, you know, support services and treatment services for people, you know, to help people, you know. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. We're chatting all things cocaine. So why do people actually take it then? Is it uh, times of stress? Is it times, uh, is it, you know, uh, insecurity? What are the reasons for people to take it? I mean, this, it's hugely multifactorial. I mean, if you look at adolescent roots into drug use, um, environmental would be thought to be the most important factor. So if you look at peer group, um, that's probably, from my point of view, anyway, the, the most important one. So if you're in contact with a peer group or using, it's quite possible as well that, that drugs or alcohol are in the home. So, you know, so there can be a modeling piece to that as well, but usually it's the peer group. And on top of that, then the other factors that come into play are, um, heritability factors. So they're genetic factors. So it would be curiosity, what we call sensation seeking, which is in psychological construct like you want. Generally it's it's uh, you know, you'd be into extreme sports or wanting to jump out of a plane or or that type of thing. I mean that's at the extreme end, but uh, you know, everybody's on a spectrum there with regards to the level of sensation seeking, curiosity. But I mean the the reality is is that, you know, um if we look up, ecstasy is often used as the as the marker. But I mean, look at the amount of raves going on every weekend in the UK. Um, There's probably well over one million people every weekend using so-called recreational drugs. So, you know, um, some and you know, you know, many of your listeners will won't be pathologizing 
the use of drugs. They will see that as a normal phenomenon and they will use the argument that it's similar to taking alcohol. Um, and why, you know, alcohol in all of the studies, um, David Nutt in particular, who uh, used to be the drug czar in the, in the UK, um, uh, very well, well-known researcher, did a lot of the relative, uh, he, he looked at the, the relative harm of drugs and alcohol comes out, you know, the most harmful drug of all. And we see that's replicated in our clinics all the time. Alcohol is such a destructive drug, but we, all, we also see this combination of cocaine and alcohol, funnily enough, which is a, um, is a potent uh, combination. Um, the alcohol and cocaine combine to form a third pharmacologically active compound in the body called cocaethylene, which is like a new drug in the body, which is even more toxic to the heart and um, has its own psychogenic properties. So um, getting back to your, to, to, you know, to, your, to your question as to why people use, I mean, Again, the normalization can can go um, to the point where, you know, people see nothing wrong whatsoever with using drugs. I mean, if you look at legalization of cannabis in certain states in the U.S., they, you know, that would be brought in to the argument as well. But with harder drugs, um, you know, um, such as cocaine, um, you know, the reasons uh, that we would be given at a clinical level you know, be very, very, very disparate, but would normally come down to either, you know, generally peer group, but there's also, from our point of view, these heritability factors in the background. And if you're a parent or a friend of someone who you think might be using it, what are the, the symptoms or the signs that you might look out for that would, that would indicate that a person is using cocaine? Or are there any? Yeah, no, absolutely. They're generally, I mean, we, we have, ha- you know, we do have cases where, and it's pretty hard, hard to f- fathom sometimes when we when 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 people hear it but i mean people can use cocaine secretively um you know through the day you know we've some of our very severe users of cocaine um will develop such a tolerance that that it would be very hard to distinguish when they're actually using and when they're not but very often family members will say they can tell instantly as well if somebody's using so it's really a, again a disparate um picture the general you know if you're talking a young person who hasn't used drugs before it's generally very um apparent uh if somebody is is not right so it's a change in peer group sometimes it's something simple like the, the clothes there can be a change in in how somebody is dressing the different uh friends they're hanging around with and then the big ones the big indicators are personality loss of appetite um maybe weight loss irritability, maybe a little bit of aggression. Um, we see, unfortunately, young kids in their late teens who get in this, yeah, fall in with the wrong crowd and um, you know, can, can be from very good homes, but uh, you get very aggressive at home. Um, the families are at the wit's end because they, they really are despairing. Um, the good news is a lot of those kids, they generally get well. Um, if they're coming from a good background, they they have that um, safety net to fall back on. But not always, you know. You can't sugarcoat the situation and say there's always a happy ending with drugs. Sometimes there isn't. And unfortunately, with cocaine, um, it is one of those drugs that, as I said, it does combine with alcohol. And when you com- really combine 
you know, alcohol is a horrible drug from the point of view of the all the all, all the destruction that goes with it, road traffic accidents, attendances at A and E, um, physical injuries, fights, sexual assault. Um and when you throw cocaine in on top of that, um things can can look um look horrible really. Um the type of things you see with cocaine in young people are uh money problems, particularly young students groups, um uh dealers who will, you know, in the case of young young women who will look for um payment through means or perhaps sexual means. Um, so, you know, cocaine, uh, or we talked about, you know, the, the media, um, uh, glamorization of cocaine, but there is a horrible side to cocaine. Um, I don't know if the, if the, um, in the UK, there was talk to Frank did some good work. Um, I'm probably, I'm talking like a dinosaur now, cause it's probably about from about 15 years ago, but, um, there, there was, there was there, you know, there, there, there are very good, um educational videos that that's the one that comes to mind i'm sure they're still available on youtube but i think australia as well did a fantastic one of somebody snorting cocaine in the toilet and um just it, it was pretty horrific um you know these these videos are, are are they just give a balanced view i think as you know to to balance off against the um the glamorization which is plentiful as well and one thing we know from the Health Research Board report is the fact that more and more people are seeking help for a treatment for cocaine and, and for crack cocaine as well. Presumably, this is a positive thing that they're seeking help. It does obviously alarms that we know more people are using, but the fact they're seeking help is presumably a good thing. And my second part of that question is, if someone's listening in and they are concerned about their usage of that drug or someone they know may be using the drug, how does treatment look when they contact someone like yourself or they go into John of Gods or somewhere similar? How does that treatment look and what do people go through? Um, so, so first part, absolutely really good that um, people are looking for treatment. That, that, that is fantastic. And that would uh, lend itself to the idea that, um, you know, we're destigmatizing addiction or we're destigmatizing mental health. You know, um, I, I, I am kind of really heartened by uh you know the apparent destigmatization and i think particularly young people the attitude is a shift change really in 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 attitude around uh mental health and addiction so that's really really positive what what's it going to look like if you if you go towards treatment um well the good news is you know there are many community addiction teams now that are well resourced and um you know, have excellent staff there that can help people with, with, with difficulties. I mean, step number one, in my view is, is to try and uh, confide really in, in somebody generally before people, we use the term surrender. I mean, there's, it's, I'm, I'm, it's kind of, that's a narcotics anonymous or an AA term surrendering. Now they say surrendering to a higher power, but there, there is a general concept of surrendering in addiction because prior to that people are, incredibly defended you know so you know i know i don't have a problem no i'm fine and people would be in that denial for long periods of time you know that's how the illness the disease of addiction works really it works on these risk processing and and um uh you know certain centers of the brain basically that are associated with processing the danger that people are in at a particular time and that goes out the window really in addiction so um 
yeah so it's 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 really important to when some when those defenses drop um and somebody is ready to talk to somebody that they do talk to somebody and that generally leads to um you know somebody helping you when you're in that situation it may be forced upon you as well and that there may be a family intervention sometimes if an individual is using cocaine and the people around them are getting fed up they can um and you know there's media portrayal of this as well so you know i've seen it in a number of films as well and it's it's you know, there's a family intervention can just be people trying to be helpful or it can be a situation where people are trying to be helpful, but being a little bit unhelpful. Um, but generally it's the people around the individual can be incredibly helpful. So don't, it's what I'd say is don't forget that that's a huge help. The next step is you can either look at community addiction team, a family doctor, a one-to-one counselor, um, somebody that's involved in the fellowship cocaine anonymous what a wonderful group at the moment full of very bright articulate and intelligent people that take no bull that's what i'm told um i'm not in the meetings but i'm told that as you know as as mutual support meetings go they're wonderful um so if you want information on that you go on the website so it'll be cocaine anonymous ireland and they'll have the meetings so a lot of them will be online now through zoom don't uh, feel that you have to do a performance when you get in there, say I'm whatever, and you have to give your life story. People are completely freaked out at the idea of having to go into these meetings. You don't have to do anything. You, you know, you, you know, like so many people have wasted so much time in, with regards to getting help and treatment um, because they have this catastrophic idea in their head that they're going to be, you know, it might be, you know, it's, it's, it's well, you know, I fully understand why people have that because people like myself, maybe we haven't shouted loud enough about, about how, how, how helpful it is, but, you know, cocaine anonymous is a wonderful support. So do use that. So family doctor, one-to-one counselor, CA, um, or a community addiction team, they're your first port ports of call when you decide you're going to do something. And when you get into those treatment services, then you may well be signposted to other uh, longer term, you know, say residential treatment. So this is where rehab comes in. So, um, again, a large proportion of the people that we would see and help don't go anywhere near rehab. So I'd be reassuring your listeners again that, you know, there isn't just because you come and see somebody like myself or you go to a one-to-one counselor or you go to a community addiction team, they're not going to be. Uh, you're not on a on a production line into into rehab, not, not at all. A lot of um, people get well from cocaine problems and drug problems in general by you know outpatient treatment or counselling or engagement with the fellowship. I just mentioned as well. There's as well as the um, cocaine anonymous. There is a um, non um, AA based treatment uh, group called Life Ring which is so be Life Ring Ireland. So Life Ring is like the American for life, Life Boy. They don't say Life Boy, they say Life Ring. And they use that. So they approached us well over 10 years ago, said, do you want an alternative to AA? And we said, absolutely. Not all of our people want to go to AA. Some people find it's religious or find they can't do the higher power thing. For the record, AA is not religious. Okay, in some meetings, they do say in Our Father for some reason. But that's don't be put off by that again, you know. So a lot of the people we work with have 
gained hugely from the mutual support. And these are people who have at one time in their life really didn't see the, they really did not like the idea of, of AA or CA. So. Okay. So the key thing is there's plenty of support services there to suit whatever kind of pathway you need to, that you yeah. would want to go down Do chat to your friends, do chat to those around you and then take it up a step from there in terms of the GP counseling or any of those rec- uh, places that we've recommended. Folks, that's all we have time for Unreal Health this week. Many thanks to Professor Colin O'Gara for joining me on the show. If you want more information about drug addiction and what services are available in Ireland, you can visit the HSE website. Or you can contact HSE Drugs and Alcohol Helpline on 1800 459 459. I'll be back next week with more Real Health. As ever, you know where we are in between Akral Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram. A very big shout out to a new member of the Real Health team. Tabitha has joined us as key researcher for all our guests and we're delighted to have her on board so have that a very big welcome to the team folks have a great week mind yourselves and i'll see you next week leia healthcare looking after you always proud sponsors of real health with carl henry